God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And um, we're out of Afghanistan. So mission accomplished. I think that's that'd be a bit of an exaggeration. 20 years and we still couldn't get it right. We were going to get it right. Elections have consequences. Election fraud has consequences. It's it's just such a sad state of affairs where we are right now uh, that we uh, find ourselves in this place where not only do the Democrats exploit every opportunity for political power and gain, but they don't have any remorse. They they're as evil as the Nazis. They're that evil. I, I I don't think they have a conscience. Partly it's because I think like the people that you know and love that happen to be liberals that like Biden and hate Trump. I think there are people that in this, you know, that, that surround us in our lives where we could say we love them. But we don't understand them. And I don't think they're evil people. I don't even think they know what they're doing. I think if you just look at the, you know, the the dots on the map and how they connect with each other, I think it's so easy to see that Biden is corrupt, just like Hillary was unauthentic, inauthentic. Hillary was a compulsive liar. But they choose to turn a blind eye. Like when Hillary Clinton would say about Gaddafi, we, we came, we saw, he died, ha ha ha, and laughed. Or how they would stand in the, in, in the tarmac in front of four dead bodies coming back from Benghazi 
And talking about a senseless video, Susan Rice lying to the American people to cover up for what? For, for power. And Obama was really there the whole time. I mean, he started it off when he said, we're just five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And people cheered because they didn't listen. You need to listen. What do those words mean? Would you say that to your spouse five days before your wedding date? Would you? You'd be looked at as a monster. Marrying five days before your wedding date and you want to fundamentally transform the person you say you love? Everybody should look at you like you're a monster. Why does politics and and uh, government get held to a different standard? Because when you really peel that onion, it always gets down to the basics of love, hope, prayer, prayer, freedom, liberty, and justice. We depend on these root, these roots that are the fundamental foundation of society. They grow in to become a fabric of society, interwoven with roots. And what we need to do is we need to understand that we are all part of God's creation. We're all part of a family in the world. We're all part of a human race. We're all part of a global system in terms of one world, but not not in the name of politics. That everybody is our relation. But we all came from somewhere. And we're entitled to our freedoms. But to be treated like herds of cattle everywhere, in every country, to what degree it just depends on the leadership at the time, that is not part of it. And that should never be tolerated or accepted. We live amongst people we love who voted for this monster, this tyrannical monster. And which monster am I talking about? The one that would cut your head off before you know you were even bleeding? Well, that's Nancy Pelosi. Her daughter said that about her own mother. Or Barack Hussein Obama that says we're just five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America and pretty much made good on his promise, dividing us by race, dividing us by gender, dividing us by sex. And it's not us. I mean, it's not like... I never fell for that crap, did you? The people that listened to the Scott Adams show never felt for it. We're not that dumb. But what happened? Because some of the smartest, decent, most decent people I've known through my life happen to have been Democrats. They were my friends. I would have loved for them to be conservative, but they weren't. We would have our honest debates. 
Trump blew up everything because Trump destroyed the Apple card. What was the Apple card? Trump's destruction of political correctness, running amok, was the key to everything. It was one of the key, I would say one of the keys to everything. When he just blew it up and didn't care about the feelings, you know, when he was talking about anchor babies. Yeah, they call them anchor babies. These uh, pregnant women come across the border, have a baby. Next thing you know, they're now going to be citizens because, um, you know, their child was born in America, natural born citizen. And now that child can bring the whole family in. Anchor babies. And the reporter goes up to, uh, I think it was Jim Acosta, and goes up to uh, Trump, and he says, in a, in a press poll, and he says, That's, isn't that an insensitive thing to say? People have been saying anchor babies for 40, 50 years. And of course, everybody knows that when you try to change the dialogue, you can no longer call somebody a man or a woman. you got to call it an it or a person or a thing. No longer can we say congress, congressman. You have to say congressperson because congresswoman, you know, Nancy Pelosi made that a law. She made that the, a rule, I should say. I'm a new rule. We're not going to talk about gender. So congressperson. I never even really thought congresswoman or waitress or stewardess. I never thought those were even appropriate. Not, 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 not appropriate. I actually thought they were kind of old-fashioned and, and fine with me and not offensive in any way. But technically, an actress is an actor. A stewardess is a steward. A congresswoman is a congressman. Whoa, man. All men are created equal. When we say that, we are truly talking about men and women. Because all mankind represents women and men. It even represents sex freaks. Whether it's a tranny that wants to be a homosexual and marry, you know, and sleep with their brother. I have no idea. Even those people are protected under the United States laws. You know what's great about that? They could be the freak of all freaks all they want. And they're not going to get shoved off of a building. The person who goes to jail for doing that is the person who did the shoving, not the person that was the freak. And you know who led the charge worldwide for that? Worldwide. Donald Trump. Led the charge in terms of decriminalizing homosexuality and whatever whatever else persuasion there is. He said, in these Muslim countries, they need to do better. Yet the UN was still putting in, in, in charge of its human rights division countries that would endorse that kind of behavior. The hip, hypocrites and academics that they are. It's just frustrating when you see it all. And it was Donald Trump that brought the black unemployment to the lowest of all lows. It was Donald Trump that did the Opportunity Zones and the HBCUs loans that were extended. People don't even know what that's about. 
people don't even understand the value of that. When you get a loan that's not just one year with no guarantee that the second year is going to come through for you, then you can get you can only um, get an investment, a bank support on the investment on an investment that's a one year project. Those are small little things like a bathroom in, in a building. But now you know with a ten year endorsement, guess what? You could you could buy buildings. You can buy wings to buildings. You could invest in real structure that's going to have real teeth and real merit and real change. Opportunity zones were going to be opportunities not only for corporations but for black people in inner cities. Yet, remember when I told you I got back on that train and everybody wanted to call Trump a racist? And again, the reason why I bring it up is because I'm trying to figure out for the life of me how the smart, some of the smartest people I know that happen to be liberal voters could vote or make sense of the nonsense that we're seeing play out before our eyes. It's not hard to see at all. It's frustrating. But it's also frustrating to know that it's, it's, not, it's not even just as much... I mean, of course it's Joe Biden's fault, but Joe Biden's a retard. It's not Joe Biden so much. Joe Biden is just the the puppet. I think it's an Obama. I think it's a Valerie Jarrett. She just flew off to Kabul not too long ago. What's she doing there? Susan Rice is still in play in the White House, mucking things up. Jake Sullivan is the guy that's writing all the script. And I believe that they're actually writing scripts that put Joe Biden right into the wall. Talk about a moron. He doesn't even know what he's saying half the time. He just reads off a script and looks at his watch in front of grieving families every four, every, every single uh, moment he could. What an idiot. Talking about Bo, his son, who died of cancer, unfortunately but did not die in the battle of the theater of war and was irrelevant to the conversation, which was these people get one fleeting moment to at least receive a hug and a a grievance by the commander-in-chief that ordered their lives to be put in jeopardy. And ultimately, they ended up getting murdered as a result of a poorly botched strategic failure by General McKenzie, by General Milley, who's too busy, focused on trying to figure out what white privilege is, trying to figure out what being woke is about. Playing politics with people's lives, General Milley. They should all be court-martialed. They deserve to be court-martialed. There's no doubt about it that they deserve to be court-martialed. This same government we're supposed to trust. This same corrupt government that's killing our people we're supposed to trust with a vaccine that even by the standards of 
all the people that are leading the charge for the vaccine mandates suggest that vaccines, experimental new vaccines especially, according to Bill Gates, can help reduce the world's population from 9 billion to 6.5 billion. How do you like that? And he's the guy in charge financing everything that Fauci does, and Fauci then returns the favor by making Bill Gates rich by allowing him to get his return on investment, come hooker by crook. You know that's what's going on, right? They're working together. I'm going to give you this. You're going to give me that. You got to make sure I get my return on investment or I'll ruin your life. That's the same thing that played out with the, you know, the uh, military industrial complex black market weapons deals. Remember I told you all the photo ops of John McCain and Lindsey Graham and Amy Klobuchar and their financier, the Minnesota Twins owner, who basically financed arms to Ukraine which is the exact reason why Obama only gave them javelin, uh, didn't give them javelin missiles, tanker bu- tank busters, but instead gave them, instead gave them pillows and blankets because the weapons contracts were already in play. I recommend that you go out and watch that movie War Dogs. War Dogs. It's pretty good. It's a really interesting movie about black market military based on a true story. True story. And how they needed a financier. This financier was actually a dry cleaning king. Had lots of money. And basically was the seed money to actually order the manufacturing of a product that they needed. And then they would keep on being the financier so long as they got great return on investment. It was better than investing in a uh, in a stock trade. Could not be better, though, than investing in a farm stock trade, which is where all of our politicians are in right now. All of our politicians seem to be in on the stock, stocks that represent pharmaceuticals. And I spin it around because we're going to go back to Afghanistan here in a moment, but... I want to go back to where I think I did this on Friday. I played this, but uh, of last week. But I want to play this again to show you how close we are. We have a lot of clips we want to play today, but we're going to start with this one in Australia about vaccine uh, mandates want, uh, and, and lockdown, uh, I, uh, lockdowns and restrictions. I also want to strongly uh, message today that New South Wales is calling on industry and citizens to get ready for when we are 70% double vaccinated. That's when things will start to open. Uh, The New South Wales government will start conversations with uh, industry, uh, but we do say that the condition uh, of you participating in what will be reopening is on you being vaccinated. Because when you start opening at 70%, there are certain activities only vaccinated people can do. Uh, because we know that whilst a certain proportion of the population is unvaccinated, that poses a risk to to too too many people. So for that reason, we're asking industry to dust off their COVID safety plans, get the QR codes in check, and we're also working on an app in New South Wales that will allow you to sign into a venue, but also have proof of your vax all in one to make it as simple as possible, and we'll have more to say about that in coming areas, in coming weeks, I should say. Uh, I also want... 
Okay, not to toot my own horn, but I'm going to explain to you what I've been telling you for the last three months, probably more. I've been saying to you, and I was the only one that said this, the only one that said it. Now, just stick with me and you tell me if I was right. This woman right here, what she said was an absolute mouthful. I mean, an absolute treasure trove mouthful. And I'm going to play the section again. I've been saying about this 70-30, I wrote an article about it. This whole 70-30 thing is all about corporate because what they're trying to pass is unconstitutional, right, in COVID. This vaccine passport thing is nothing but a social credit scoring system. It's going to evaluate your behavior, your political agenda, what you say, what you do, and it's going to give you a score. And you will either be denied credit or get credit, denied insurance, a home loan, uh, the right to uh, shop on Amazon if Twitch has anything to do with it because Twitch already came out over a year ago. And I've been saying to you all for months and months, the magic number is 70. It's always been about the number 70 because corporations, I remember I walked into a Best Buy once they did the the mask mandate was lifted. I walked into a Best Buy and I said, what's your policy on masks? And they said, come as you, uh, what you wear one if you want and you don't have to wear one if you want, if you're vaccine, vaccinated. So I didn't tell them one way or the other. I wasn't, I'm still not vaccinated. And I walk in and I, I say, uh, so I walk in and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what does this mean? It means that Best Buy, they didn't have that board meeting yet because at the time, and I think that the number of vaccinated is truly lower. I don't think it's near 70%. All of a sudden, you started seeing the White House say, yeah, we're at 70%, mission accomplished. What they're trying to do is sell to the corporate endorsers of these programs. And these corporate endorsers are globalist corporations that have access to Chinese slave labor, have a seat at the table on multinational trade deals, and they benefit from their working with the government. But they can't do it at a, at a certain price. They can't do it. It's too expensive. 50-50, Best Buy or Target or Walmart or whoever, right, can't reject 50% of their client base. They can't do it. They'll lose their whole client base. They'll have to fold. So the magic number is 70 because with 70 they have the economy of scale. They have that momentum. They have that leverage. They're going to be able to bully the 30% with their 70% muscle. And I've been saying this for forever. So what ends up happening is they have 70% of the popularity. Now the 30% has to comply with the 70 or they're going to be ex- exiled from society. And that's unfortunate. See, the bullies always bully. They, but they can't bully when they don't have the muscle. And that's why you see some of these young startups, like whether it's Mark Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey, 
grateful for the business that they're trying to build. Then they build it and they turn on you like a vengeance. And they drop a hammer and they censor you. They don't need you anymore. And they ban you. They couldn't do that in the beginning when they were trying to build their numbers and reach certain milestones. But they can once they got their numbers to the point where they were more they were richer than Midas and more powerful than the US government. And that's exactly how they're playing it. So I'm going to play this clip again. She does three, four things here. Okay, pay attention. Pay close attention. 70%. She corroborates that. Now, she's a, a, a leader in Australia. Um, so 70% is one thing. That's the first. Second, she uses the word corporations are going to have to dust off their handbooks. They're going to use QR codes. And they got a new app. Aha! Isn't that what we've been saying? They need corporations. They, they're at 70%. Now that they're at 70%, they're going to get corporations to dust off their uh, playbooks. They're going to engage in QR codes. And we have a new app. Listen to what she says right here. Uh, because we know that whilst a certain proportion of the population is unvaccinated, that poses a risk. We're going to go to, back to, a little bit. Because when you start opening at 70%, there are certain activities only vaccinated people can do. Uh, because we know that whilst a certain portion... See, when you start opening at 70%, there's only so many things that the unvaccinated can do. We have the muscle. We have the muscle. That's it. They could go... They could go they do whatever they want, but they're not going to get in. They're not going to be a privileged part of a society. Let's take a listen. And what will be reopening is on you being vaccinated. Because when you start opening at 70%, there are certain activities only vaccinated people can do. Uh, because we know that whilst a certain portion of the population is unvaccinated, that poses a risk to, to too many people. So for that reason, we're asking industry to dust off their COVID safety plans, get the QR codes in check. And we're also working on an app in New South Wales that will allow you to an sign app. into a venue, but also have proof of your vax all in one to make it as simple as possible. And we'll have more to say about that in coming areas. In com that's it. That's just it right there. Now, we're going to play a clip of uh, Mama Bear. And this is a great clip. She was, uh, Mama Bear is fed up with smug administrators and tyrannical school board members, you are done. It's about mask mandates for their children. Listen to what Ma Mama Bear says here. Good evening. Um, my name is Carrie Boyle. You see my shirt, it says Mama, and I'm a mama. Good evening. Um, my name is Carrie Boyle. You see my shirt, it says Mama, and I'm a Mama Bear. And I know there's a lot of Mama Bears here tonight. And no one's going to mess with our cups. Right. Nobody's going to mess with our cubs. Uh, I'm a resident of Encinitas, born and raised San Diegan, and tonight I'm simply here to tell you to unmask our children. We're done begging. In fact, we're done asking for permission. That's right. We are going to be unmasking our children today. That's right. The pandemic is over. The parents are done. We're done asking you, public servants, for permission. We are done. You can all wear your masks. In fact, you can wear two masks and three masks. You can wear gloves, you can have plexiglass, you can do whatever you need to do to keep you safe. 
but we, the parents, believe we have a choice for our children. And I don't know who you think you are, that you think that you have more of a say than us, the parents, mm -hmm. and our doctors. Mm -hmm. I don't know who any of you think you are. I really don't. That's right. It ends today. That's right. We are declaring our freedom tonight. We do not consent to the lies, fear-mongering, and abuse. You all know it's abuse. This is tyrannical leadership, mm. poor leadership. Mm. None of you are willing to stand up for our children. This is why we are all here tonight, because we're fed up. We're done asking permission. We're done playing games. The pandemic is over. We are done, Andre. We're done. That's right. See the chairs that you're sitting in? We own those chairs. Mm -hmm. See these lights? We pay for the lights, mm -hmm. not you. And I want to let you know, Emily, you're up in 2022, Greg, you're up in 2022, Marla, you're up in 2022, and Jody, you're up in 2024. I know that myself, I would love to run for school board. And I know many, many mothers all of you. So I'm going to promise you tonight that I will campaign against you, I will, I will fundraise against you, and I will make sure that none of you ever serve in a public space ever again. That's right. The time is up. That's right. Doggone straight. That's exactly the way it should be done. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that, folks. That's grassroots. All politics is local. You know, one of my uh, big short shortcomings is that I had, did not engage in local politics as I should, probably should have, looking back. And, uh, I always knew the phrase, all politics is local, and I've always respected it. And I got to tell you, I mean, I did work within the Philadelphia GOP, and I engaged in some. You know, I always found some of those little city ordinances or, you know, whether they're going to finance a, a new trash compactor, public trash system. Um, none of that really appealed to me. I was always more like big federal politics. Um, but I got to tell you, I see the value in local politics. I may not be a perfect candidate for pro local politics because I'm, you know, I'm just not built that way, but I will tell you, I definitely, even though it may not be that my forte or my specialty, I will tell you, I value it and respect it. And what I'm seeing happen at the student boards across the country in so many different states, it's absolutely essential. And I'm learning every time. I learn from that woman just there. Um, the power and the, the amount of change you can actually have um, from all, all of this. It's, it's super important. All right, so now I want to get to some clips related to what's happening in, just over the last 24 hours with regard to the Afghan conflict now that there's a milestone we were out well you know it turns out that part of the august 31st date was the 9-11 photo op that biden wanted to take of course that has been ruined that's blown up in his face he's uh never going to be able to go down that road again um because he owns this now i i in some way tend to believe that Biden was written the script that, that ran him into a wall. 
that people were calling for his resignation. And I, I don't doubt that he deserved it. You know, he, obviously he deserves it. He doesn't even deserve to be there, let alone. He didn't win the election, number one. But he's there. He's the problem we have to deal with right now. That's the reality. And I don't know what the heck is happening with the um, the audits and stuff like that. This could be a distraction for that. I don't know. But I will say this. The Kamala, I think, is the target. I think that Kamala was Obama's pick. I think that Obama was working with Kamala. I told you the story about Jesse Smollett, Time's Up, Tina Chen, Rahm Emanuel's wife, Rahm Emanuel himself. And, you know, it's it's also disturbing that Zeke Emanuel, Rahm Emanuel's brother, pseudo-doctor, is maybe going to be head of the FDA. And he's a guy that's gone on record and said he doesn't think anybody should be, should have to live, should, should, live past 75. If we had a finite number as to how long people can live, we could budget for our social security. How draconian and weird is that? He wants to be in charge of your food supply. So does Bill Gates, the guy that says we could reduce the world's population from nine and a, nine and a half billion or nine billion to six and a half billion simply by having abortions, death panels, which is what Ezekiel Emanuel was talking about, and new vaccines, which is what we're doing to ourselves right now. And that's crazy. So there's a lot of issues on the table. There's a lot of things that cause great concern. And so I want to uh, I want to talk I want to talk about so, so we got to get we we can't and here's the thing like we were talking about yesterday about Mitt Romney and the issue of liberty and health and your liberty can't affect my health, my health, you know. The the problem with the people pushing climate change or health is they're untrustworthy. They're lying about the data on climate change and they're just like we know because Al Gore said the ice caps would have been melted by 2007. They're not. So he was way off wrong. And the people pushing it say that the coastal water line will be underwater in 10 years. And I think Obama's team said something to that impact 15 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever. Well, what does he do in the last couple of years? He buys a a $12 million mansion at water level on Martha's Vineyard. So who's the, who's the jokester? Who's the chump? Who's the idiot buying... Why are the banks and these underwriters supporting all this climate change? I mean, supporting all these um, coastal properties because they're stupid? They, they're going to lose their investments? No, of course not. I mean, why did you not, do you not see an escalation at higher lo- sea levels uh, of, of property purchases and development? Of course, we know they're lying. All you got to do is look at half-truths. It gets back to that whole point about our liberal friends they're drinking Kool-Aid because they're too smart at the jobs that they do. They're too successful. They bought the house. They got the car. They have the kids. They can hold a great conversation. They're nice. You know, generally our friends. But they're liberal. They hate Trump, and they voted for Biden. 
They can't possibly be as murderous and as conniving and as deceitful. But when you engage in the conversation and you start to peel the onion, almost every one of them, to, I, none of them want to debate me, and almost every one of them to the man, craps out 10 words into the debate and says, I just, I don't pay attention to this. You know, they just throw like a little white flag up and they don't want to engage. They want to be tested. They don't want to be, because they know that they can't make their argument. And that's the truth. But they, we know they can't make their argument because the argument that was told to them by, you know, Don Lamont or Chris Matthew or Chris, uh, Chris Como. Fredo, or or uh, Rachel Maddow, you know we know what idiots and liars these people are. We knew we know what deception. I asked a friend. Uh, I said, I, I you know I do a lot. I, I a friend asked me, liberal, where do I get you know I, where do I get my news? I said I I aggregate. I said I don't really read the news. I read metadata. And I take the metadata and do my own analysis. That's how I get to where I get. And I use Twitter for that. And I get all kinds of things because I think a lot of people are smarter than journalists. And the people that make their own opinions, I take them, but I take them not as gospel. I take them just like you should never listen to me and take every word I say to you as gospel. If it makes sense to you, just look it up. Peel the onion. Check my work. But what I'm saying is that's what I do every day. And I take all these different bits and pieces and I make my own analysis. Because Lord knows, I don't want to be boring. I don't want to regurgitate what I heard Fox News say. You know, why would I want to do that? I do want to actually play a Fox News clip. And we're going to play that now. I was listening to Fox and Friends today. And um, this uh, mother, her last name is McCollum. Uh, gave a passionate plea. We just heard Mama Bear talk about masks. Listen to this woman talk about Joe Biden. Uh, afterwards, he met with every one of the families who wanted to meet with him. But there were some families, and this article is very telling uh, and very raw. And it talks about how the families, a, a lot of them didn't want to meet the president or shake the hand of the commander in chief who they felt was responsible for the death of their child. Yeah, one of those is Riley McCollum. He was killed. He was a Marine. He was from Wyoming. He had just gotten married. You've heard his story. His wife expecting a baby in a few weeks. This was his first deployment. His sister said he wanted to be a Marine his whole life. He even carried a rifle and cowboy boots in his diapers when he was a baby. She said he's tough. He was kind, a loving kid who made an impact on everyone that he met. But they feel like the president is responsible for his death. So when they had the opportunity to meet with him, the sister, the other sister, and his father did not meet with the president and his mom. But his wife, the one who's expecting the baby, she said she wanted to meet yeah. with the president, but she left feeling disappointed. They, they said this to the Washington Post. One of McCollum's sisters, Royce, said she and her sister and her father joined McCollum's wife, Jenna McCollum, on the trip. But when it came time to meet with the president, they left the room because she said that they did not want to speak with the man they held responsible for McCollum's death. Only Jenna, who is expecting the, the couple's child next month, stayed, but she left disappointed, Roy said.
said the president brought up his son, Beau, describing his son's military service and subsequent death from cancer. It struck the family as scripted and shallow. Yeah, they well, Mark Schmitz uh, went on to say he's a gold star dad. He said on Biden checking his watch during the dignified transfer, I actually leaned over my son's mother's ear and I said, I swear to God, if he checks his watch one more time, and that was only probably four times, I couldn't look at him anymore after that, just especially considering the time and why we were there. It was, I found it to be the most disrespectful thing I have ever seen. That's according to a gold star dad, Mark Schmitz. Well, Kathy McCollum, uh, the mother of the family you were just talking about, uh, was featured in a clip last night on The Laura Show. And here's what she had to say on the Wilkow majority on Saturday. Genius child, uh, an IQ of 156. He could have done anything he wanted to do in the military. And he chose to be a Marine sniper. But I never thought in a million years that he would die for nothing, for nothing, because a feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap decided he wanted a photo op on September 11th. Every Democrat that's listening, you did this to my son to prop up a disgusting human being. Uh, Mark Schmidt also featured in this particular uh, report in The Washington Post. When he got there, he did not want to talk to Joe Biden. Um, He agreed with Joe Biden to pull out of Afghanistan, but he believes that Joe Biden botched it. He slept on it and then decided he was going to meet with the president. And uh, when he finally did come face to face with the commander in chief, according to The Washington Post, he glared at the president. Biden looked at his ex-wife and kept talking about Bo, which we just heard. Schmidt didn't want to hear about Bo, they write. He wanted to talk about his son, Jared. He took out a photo and said, Mr. President, don't you ever forget that name. Don't you ever forget that face. Don't you ever forget the names of the other 12 and take some time to learn their stories. And according to the Washington Post, uh, the president didn't like that. He said, I do know their stories. Well, anyway, uh, I want to play another clip from this McCollum lady uh, right here. My son was one of the Marines that died yesterday. This was right after. 20 years and six months. This was right after uh, she was greeted at the door by Marine officers to tell her that her son was dead. Getting ready to come home for freaking... Jordan to be with his wife to watch the birth of his son and that feckless dementia ridden piece of crap just sent my son to die so my son is gone and I just want all you Democrats who cheated in the election or who voted for him legitimately you just killed my son that is powerful and there's absolutely not a word in that that's untrue. As gut-wrenching as that is, that is the anger I feel every single day when I have to wake up and realize that this country that we're living in is riddled with fraud. I mean, I could literally scream. I, You know, I could cry, right? I'm not a crier. I don't cry. It's one of the things I do. And I'm not like... I want to scream, but I I just see that screaming is pointless. But I feel scream inside my body. I feel tears inside my body. But I also realize that the only thing that I can do is fight. 
And I think that I speak for so many people. And uh, I want to play. Um, I want to play this other clip really quick, and then I'm going to try to find something else for you. Um, let's go ahead and let's take a listen to Jen Psaki here for a second. The, when, the this is where she says the men and women who gave their lives doesn't make the place doesn't take the place of all the progress. I think it's terrible that she said go this. Ahead. Uh, on August 10th, President Biden told me, quote, I do not regret my decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. After watching the heart-wrenching confronted transfer yesterday, is that still his position? Does he not regret the manner in which this withdrawal was conducted? Well, first I would say that um, the men and women who gave their lives uh, and the president attended, as you noted yesterday, uh, to honor their service, honor their sacrifice, and had time, uh, had the opportunity to meet a number of the family members yesterday. Uh, we can't, that doesn't take the place of, of all of the progress, we've, all of the work that has been done to evacuate people. Go ahead. Thanks, Jen. Uh, on August 10th, President Biden told me, quote, I do not regret my decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. After watching the heart-wrenching confronted transfer yesterday, is that still his position? Does he not regret the manner in which this withdrawal was conducted? Well, first I would say that um, the men and women who gave their lives uh, and the president attended, as you noted yesterday, uh, to honor their service, honor their sacrifice, and had time, uh, had the opportunity to meet a number of the family members yesterday. Uh, we can't, that doesn't, take the place of, of all of the progress we've all of the work that has been done to evacuate people yeah it's not the right answer right I know we just heard that twice but uh, yeah that's not the right answer I'm actually looking for a really powerful quote I've been wanting to read for you, read to you for over a week now and um, uh, I'm gonna see if I can get uh, oh one of the things that's really um, you know, I think they just like Trump, um, just like um, Biden was trying to. Oh, we're going to listen to Trump's tweet, Trump's Trump's interview real quick. But just like Biden was trying to do this in order to do a photo op for 9-11 on the 20th anniversary. I believe he was also afraid to bring troops in because he didn't want another Mogadishu. He didn't want another uh, Black Hawk down in Somalia. Right. Well, there is. Blackhawks now flying dead people hanging but from a noose above the airport, calling them traitors. So these people, not only are they making fun of Americans by using our Blackhawks, billions and billions, 20 to $50 billion worth of weapons, and they're using them in our face. This is just such a black eye for our country, and frankly, uh, Trump Trump basically calls that out. Um, so uh, I think I just I just lost what I was looking for, but I'm I'm, I'm going to get it back. Um, all right, so uh, this is very very. Uh, Technically impossible sometimes, but uh, I just closed the, uh, the the audio that I actually needed. Um, but in any case, we, we I am going to play this Trump quote. So basically, Trump is basically saying this is the worst 
uh, worst situation we've had in a long time. Um, that. This, this, is, this is a clip of people going door to door. Oh, here it is. Sorry about this, folks. This is because the United States has totally lost control. People are bombing them. They're sending rockets into them. They're killing a lot of people. 200 people two days ago, of which we had 13 Marines at least, because you have a lot of very badly wounded Marines and Navy right now. Uh, This is the greatest humiliation in the history of our country, in my opinion. This is a psychological humiliation and a military humiliation. And when Biden said he's taking out the military before he takes out the people or the equipment, I said, that can't be possible. I figured the press got it wrong because they get so much wrong. And they didn't get it wrong. He took out the military, lost total control. We had total control. In fact, in his speech, I'm sure they were thrilled when he said it, but he made a mistake probably. But it was true. Not one soldier was killed for 18 months under me because they understood that if they killed any of the American soldiers, any American, period, anybody gets killed, we go after them like I did many times. And I dealt with Abdul, who is now the leader. Officially, he was a leader then, too. So at least I was dealing with the right guy. And I told him, you will be met as hard or harder than any country has ever been met with force before. And I said, you understand that? And he did understand that. And I said, and it will start with your house. That's where it started. Love that part. And that's, it was fine. Nothing was happening. When I look at your red charts where so much was gathered and so much was taken in a short period of time, under my auspices, it was not at all taken. Now, I wanted to get out for years because we should have never been there. We could have hit them hard. Should have never been. So I love the part where it's like, and we're going to start with your house. And of course, the Taliban knew Trump was not playing. They also know that Biden and uh, Jake Sullivan, who are and uh, you know are being run by Obama, and they know exactly what's going on. They have a friend in the White House, and its name his name is not Joe Biden, really. Joe Biden's just a messenger. All right, so I want to play this. Uh, uh, it's not. I'm not going to play it. Actually, I'm going to read this. Um, by the way, the National Review wrote an article. It says, "Who will trust us, or who will trust the United States after Afghanistan?" It's a great question. So this guy writes this piece. It's a almost. It's almost. Um, I don't know. I'm going to read it to you. It's uh, very poetic. But he says this, the most terrifying force of death comes from the hands of men who wanted to be left alone, like you, like me. Just leave me alone. Give me my liberty, justice, and freedom. I'll play by the rules if you play by the rules. So the most terrifying force of death comes from the hands of men who wanted to be left alone. Those are the, it's the quiet men that are ones that go, when they stand up, forget about it. When they stand up and fight, it's too late. The most terrifying force of death comes from the hands of men who wanted to be left alone. They try, 
so very hard to mind their own business and provide for themselves and those they love. They resist every impulse to fight back, knowing the forced and permanent change of life will come from it. They know the moment they fight back, the lives as they have lived them is over. The moment the men who wanted to be left alone are forced to fight back, it is a small form of suicide. They are literally killing off who they used to be. Which is why, when forced to take up violence, these men, who wanted to be left alone, fight with unholy vengeance against those who murdered their former lives. They fight with the raw hate and a drive that cannot be fathomed by those who are merely play-acting at politics and terror. True terror will arrive at the left store and they will cry, scream, and beg for mercy, but it will fall upon deaf ears. And I read that and I wrote a response to it and I said, <laughs> I got goosebumps just now. I said, I think this is true for many Americans. This was my response to the article I read. I read this almost 10 days ago, I think. And I've been wanting to share it with you for these last 10 days. I think this is a true, I think this is true for many Americans, I said. We strive for peace, been taught tolerance, believe in the American dream that if you play by the rules, do the right things, you'll get ahead, you'll live free, and you'll be happy. That is a lot to lose and worth protecting. It's our life to defend. And I think that's where we are as a country. We, when we stand up and fight, it's for keeps. And it's the real deal. And with that, I want to thank everybody for tuning into the Scott Adams Show and encourage you to go over and check out buglecall.org and... Uh, magapack.org, of course, and scottadamshow.com. Um, our nonprofits support America First policies to make America great again, as does the Scott Adams Show and Red State Talk Radio. scottadamshow.com is where you can check out the latest podcast. And we'll see you all next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Town in Tennessee, a long way from the suits in DC, but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.